Ladies and gentlemen, Joe to be on the line. Now we're starting this, gosh darn it. I don't know why I went to a really country. Oh, I'll start it. We're already starting this show. Yes, yeah, we're starting it right now. Ladies and gentlemen, joining me on the line, as he does every week from Cinema Blend. It's not Friday. It's not even close to Friday this week, but it is what it is. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Mike Reyes. What's going on, Mike? Woo! <laughs> the co- I'm sorry. I, I've just been re- I, I've sent a couple of these to you, but there's that Instagram account, No Context Rick Flair. And it just kind of permeated my mind. <laughs> but other than that, I'm well. How are you? Uh, it, it's interesting with Ric Flair that uh, he had like the uh, where he was kind. I don't want to say canceled, but kind of in that realm where he may not have been the best name to bring up. And now he's slowly coming back where everybody loves him again. He's had an interesting couple years. We'll put it that way. Well, yeah, probably because when you compare him to some of the other some other wrestlers out there, he's he's a thing. Yeah, that was the funny thing about it. They were like, uh, and this is complete side note, but they're talking about Ric Flair. It's like whatever he ever did, it was never to be mean. It was to be funny, you know, or having oh, yeah. fun, or it was, you know, anything like that. So, anyways, that's neither here nor there. Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com is on the line with me right now. Uh, we've got a lot to get to uh, this week. We're recording a little bit early because I have a pain in the ass schedule, but it is what it is. Uh, Mike, you have seen the new M Night Shyamalama Lama movie. I Shum- don't you do that? Don't you do that? M Night Shyamalan movie. Yes, I have. And uh, that film. Fun fact: That film is called Knock at the Cabin. Knock at the Cabin. You wouldn't believe the amount of. I actually watched uh, Royal Rumble and uh, Monday Night Raw this week, and you would not believe yeah. the amount of mentions Knock at the Cabin got. Oh, I would. I totally would because that's that's universal, uh, basically cross promoting. All right, so Knock that's, at the Cabin. Uh, Starts yeah. Dave Bautista obviously has WWE ties. Uh, this is M Night Shyamalan. Uh, I almost, I almost, I didn't mean to do it there. <laughs> M Night Shyamalan. M Night Shyamalan. It's it's one of those movies. If you say it too quickly, sometimes you will trip over it. It's like Toy Boat. Toy Boat. Hey, I taught you that this week. Yes. Did it, well, you reminded me of it. I remember that from when I was a kid. I taught you that. Anyways, I was uh, up saying Toy Boat while your grandfather was in diapers. <laughs> All right, Knock of the Cabin comes out this weekend. It's a, according to Wikipedia, Knock of the Cabin is a 2023 American apocalyptic psychological horror movie, horror film, written and directed by M. Night Shyamalan. What say you, Mike Reyes? In other words, it's just another Tuesday. Yeah, exactly, for Um, him. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, American apocalyptic film. It's like, yeah, that's Tuesday. Uh, But in terms of the movie, I really dug it. Uh, One of the things that absolutely bowled me over and i'm sure you're not surprised is gay batista just the dude's performance in this movie everybody's performances in this movie were were impressive he's got a really good cast you've got jonathan groff and ben aldridge as a pair of gay parents who are facing off against these four would-be horsemen of the apocalypse and they basically say look uh you have to sacrifice one of your family members for the world end and gay batista is the leader you've got rupert grint as one of his sort of apostles and Batista steals the movie yeah, but he's very humble about it because I got to do the the, the junket for this and he's like oh man you know I, I watch movies my own movies a different way so I, I mean I, I he feels guilty calling himself a lead because he just values everyone's performances in this and you see that energy carry through throughout the film it's a, M. Night Shyamalan has been thriving in shorter movies more compressed settings compressed stories and this is another one like old where you don't really get that big of a change of scenery there's a novel concept behind it and it just moves 
I could have done with a few less flashbacks because there is a device where you get a couple flashbacks throughout the story. Okay. Because this thing, it starts quick. Like it starts at the cabin. The little girl is gathering grasshoppers and she, you know, Dave Batista shows up and it's really sweet conversation. They sort of talk about all sorts of things. And then quickly after that, it's lock up in the cabin. Everybody comes in. The choice is laid out. And it just, except for those flashbacks, everything just really sort of moves. This thing has no fat on it. Okay. Uh, I just read something interesting about it. This was not, this isn't just, this is an ad- adaptation, right? It's a, a it is a, an adaptation inspired by Paul Tremblay's book, Cabin at the End of the World. And from what I understand, if you are a fan of the book, the the third act is way different. I it's always way different. Uh, well, no, this is way like if they went with the ending of the book, I guarantee you might have lost your audience if you didn't frame it right. And I don't know how they frame it in the book. And I'm actually, I'm meaning to read that book now because I want to see how different it is. But that, oh man, uh, don't spoil it for yourself. Just go see the movie. But it, yeah, that would have been a big one. So in the world of M. Night Shyamalan movies, yeah. how does this uh, stack up? I think it's one of his better ones. I mean, it's not the best in the world, but it's certainly not a movie that I turned against. Uh, again, I think he's just been doing really well with lean, mean productions where it's like he's, he's got a lightning fast pacing in his last two films. And I think after his work on the Apple TV show Servant, he's gotten really used to enclosing and limiting his scope and really sort of laser focusing. And I really like that about him. All right. So Knock at the Cabin, uh, pretty good. You recommend it, eh? Yeah, I would definitely recommend it. It's a nice Solid film and fun thriller. Uh, great performances, especially if you're a Dave Bautista fan. If you're a Dave Bautista fan, I would say this is a must-see just because of what he does with this character and how he holds himself. And just, I can't say enough good things about the dude. Uh, I got him in a hype-up Doom Part 2 as part of our interview, and that should be over at Cinema Blend. Just watch the man's face light up in that clip, and that's, yeah. <laughs> dude, dude, he was so excited. About Dune 2, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, he's like, you know what? <laughs> he was like, I, I was watching stuff that I wasn't part of just because I wanted to know, you know, this movie was turning out okay. And then he's like, that's where, you know, he's like, the the, the goes down and it gets weird and political and cutthroat just watching him lay all of that down was a treat he's a he's a very likable guy he's easy to like i should say he really is and everybody on that everybody in that junket was great like rupert grant was was marvelous got to talk to him about his daughter's love of target uh jonathan groff and ben aldridge are adorable together and their energy at the junket is the comedic version of what they bring to knock at the cabin. And just, they, they vibe so well. And, oh man, if you, you'll be able to see the interviews over at Cinema Blend. I'm okay. pulling coverage for the rest of the week, throughout this week that you have just experienced on Friday. But yeah, I, I, I it was a lot of fun. Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com joining me on the line to talk about movies. Uh, the other big one that's coming out this weekend is kind of a joke movie, but it, it kind of takes on a little bit more meaning because uh, uh, Tom Brady, uh, the the movie, what, Bra- uh, 80 for Brady or Brady at 80 or what is it? 80 for Brady. Brady at 80 is a completely different story. <laughs> and that, that would involve some time travel. That almost sounds like a Super Bowl commercial. Like, I'm surprised they didn't put together a Super Bowl commercial where it's like, Here's how Brady would be at 80. Here's 80 for Brady. 
Guess the difference? Go see 80 for Brady this weekend at a theater near you. Yeah. Anyways, uh, this movie, uh, it's it's uh, it's the ladies from uh, Grace and Frankie, isn't it? Part of it, yeah. That's uh, You've got Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, Sally Field, and Rita Moreno playing four dear friends who want to go see Tom Brady. Uh, I think this was before the first time he was looking to retire. Well, he was or, still with the Patriots know. in this, wasn't he? I think so. I'm not a sportsman, so don't quote me on that. But <laughs> not a sportsman. <laughs> I'm not a sportsman. I'm a captain, damn it. But uh, Kiff, get my sports ball. So, uh, well, the this just looks like uh, it's old ladies trying to meet Tom Brady, which they probably will. And there'll be shenanigans leading through it, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you see in the you watch the trailer, you see Jane Fonda getting starstruck over uh, Rob Gronkowski. Yeah, and that. That looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Like I, what I did you call Gronk? Acting Gronk. Yeah, but or what did Rob Gronkowski? Yeah, his nickname's Gronk. But uh, I know what? it's Gronk. But I was going with his full name first, and then going to go to the Gronk. Look, as a writer, you go with the full name first, then you go with the shorthand, and then you go with Rob or Gronkowski or Mister Gronkowski or Senor Gronk. Okay, Mister Sportsman. Mister Sportsman over here. Everybody's called me. No, what did you call the? Like, what did you call him? A golden retriever or something? He is such a golden retriever. Like he just, <laughs> the man looks like he's having so much fun and just has pure heart. And watching him in that scene with Jane Fonda, it's like this is funny. This is adorable. Why isn't this a Gronk movie? Like I don't know about Brady's acting range. I've never, I didn't watch a Saturday Night Live. They barely show him in the trailer because obviously he's you know. Yeah, it's a big draw. But between Rob Gronkowski and Guy Fieri in this trailer, I kind of wanted the movie to be more about them because you get to see more of them because obviously it's like, eh, they're not the title characters. We can show whatever we want. And they look like they're having so much fun with this. Yeah, it looks like uh, this was when they were still with the for- uh, the 49ers, with the uh, Patriots uh, ah. leading up to Super Bowl LI. What is it, 41? 51? 51. 51. Sorry. I don't know. Is it 51? I don't know Roman numerals real well. But anyways. Sportsman! Um, it was the 2017 Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, we'll put it that way. Uh, it's the year that they uh, came back against the Falcons. But anyways, <laughs> th- this takes on a little more interesting of a curve because earlier today, and we're recording on a Wednesday, uh, February 1st, which just happens to be my wife's birthday. Happy birthday, Mrs. B-Sox! There you go. Earlier this morning, uh, Tom Brady put out a uh, message that he is, in fact, officially retiring. Yeah. For the uh, and third time or he's fourth time. for good. Which, that's going to get real interesting because uh, that's why, according to reports at least, that's why... Giselle left him is because he chose kind of essentially chose football over the family. Yeah. So now it's like where yeah, wh- wh- where are things going to go? And he seemed you know does does he try to put that back together? Is it done? Uh, it's it's interesting. Is she going to continue to hex him? Yeah. Boy, she she is an angry lady at him right now from some of the reports. Oh, and I'm just, I can't blame her. It's like, oh yeah, I'm going to retire to spend more time with our family, and you know this is the proper age in this field. This line of work for me to do it, and I got my health and football. I'm back, baby. Oh wait, <laughs> no, just kidding. I, and then you repeat that three or four times. It's like, okay, um, no more winning potion for you. Uh, real quick, it was Super Bowl Fifty One. Li is fifty one in ah. Roman numerals, so. <laughs> Numbers don't lie. Numbers don't L-I. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I uh, should... Lois, 
I'm sure there's going to be some people that like this movie and stuff. The only other movie I can remember that Tom Brady was in was uh, he was in Ted, wasn't he? Ted too. Ted yeah, too. That whole cameo where uh, Ted's trying to get Tom Brady's firm for his kid. Did he spy on me? Oh, it's so much fun. So, anyways, Ted too was really good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was surprised with how good that was. Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com joining me on the line. Uh, we will if I'll put it this way: if there, Mike's gonna go see that. Would you say tomorrow night or tonight? Uh, tonight, because okay. uh, well, you're listening to this on Friday, but if you happen to be one of those eagle-eyed uh, customers at a local movie theater near you, Wednesday night was uh, 80 for Brady, ladies' night out. And the big draw was, hey, there's throwback ticket prices. So for $8, you could have seen 80 for Brady on Wednesday. There you go. And clear out your weekend for Knock at the Cabin. Anyways, uh, um, real quick, yeah. if uh, you're going to go see it, if it's groundbreaking or really weird in some way, we'll add an addendum to the end of this. Uh, but we're going to move on right now to uh, the movie news. Uh, Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com on the line with me right now. Uh, probably the big news yep. was the DC Studios releasing what uh, what's going to be going on with DC over the next couple years, right? Yeah, uh, there was a big event that was uh, pretty clandestine earlier this week, and then eventually the results were announced to the public. The first phase of James Gunn and Peter Safran's DC Universe, whatever they're going to call it, is officially nailed into the ground, so to speak. The, the plans are there. They could be flexible, of course, but phase one is called Gods and Monsters. And they've got some very interesting, they've got everything from projects I like to call deck chair moves because, you know, the, the, the old phrase, arranging deck chairs on the Titanic. Yeah. A new Batman movie, a new Superman movie. Like those are, those are deck chair moves. Then you've got some more interesting stuff like Swamp Thing is apparently coming back into the mix. Uh, and early rumors are saying that James Mangold, director of Logan and Swerve Ferrari and Indiana Jones, The Dial of Destiny, might be directing that project. But also you've got uh, Amanda Waller, I think, is continuing on TV, as well as obviously Peacemaker. And it's going to be Viola Davis's Amanda Waller. But then that's going to be a separate universe from the Batman and Joker 2 and what's the, the remaining old project that's going to be released and completed. But then that's going to be on top of this new line of continuity that James Gunn and his team are, are creating. And I'm glad about that because DC always seemed to have had its strength in being a multiverse. I used to kind of shy away from it earlier, like when I was a kid, because like what, Kevin Conroy's not Superman, Tim Daly's not, uh, no, yeah. sorry, Kevin Conroy's not Batman, Tim Daly's not Superman. Is this really for me? But looking back on it, and now after like almost 20 years of Marvel movies, I see the value in having that sort of thing because you're not just limited to one canon. I can have the Batman, but also, you know, Batman and Robin, I think is the name of the new well, I think Batman that's, that they're introducing. I think that's a mistake that people make or studios make when they... There's essentially that thought of the the audience isn't smart enough to get this. I think they undervalue the audience in that way, thinking that they're not smart enough to get it, or, uh, hey, we can't have two Batman movies going on, because that'll confuse people. Oh, my God. You know, I, I just, I think that's a dumb line of even, thinking. I don't even know if that's a line of thinking anymore. That used to be, but I think more so the line of thinking now is the market has proven that people love the MCU and this big machine of constant continuity. And now they're thinking, well, people aren't going to buy 
both of those because they prefer having one single story versus other stories to keep track of. I think it's more of a, a market research, uh, what the people want issue versus intelligence. I just, I don't know. I think studios have made a lot of mistakes when it comes to comic book movies over the years. Marvel obviously got it right. Um, you know, whether or not that's sustainable after, you know, what are we getting close to about 30 movies or so? But yeah, I always thought DC <laughs> movies up until this point were trying to be Marvel and it always kind of turned into the Marvel you bought off wish is the best way to say, because they weren't quite as good. Yeah. It's a joint universe, but it, it's just, it's not as good as Marvel. I like that. They're doing I, this multi, you know, story thing where it's like, let's, let's do something else really good. Let them have their, you know, shared universe thing. Let's do our own thing. Yeah. The thing that I originally thought that I kind of went back on after seeing what Zack Snyder wanted to do with his vision, I thought it was a little too quick to start a team up, to start the team movie yeah. and that they were just taking shortcuts. But looking at the full vision, that really wasn't, he wasn't trying to catch up with Marvel. He was just trying to build the team to tell this huge post-apocalyptic in some places story. And after watching Zack Snyder's Justice League, I mean, that's, it's not a shortcut if you have a four-hour movie that builds your team and builds your team that well. Yeah. Like, if you release that, I don't care if you split it into two. They should have probably just split it into two and released it in theaters, but who am I? You know, I, I don't make these decisions. A two-hour movie from Joss Whedon, and who the hell is obviously what the people wanted. Um, people can kind of go through this on their own and figure, you know, see the entire list. But was there anything that really stuck out to you? Like, oh, wow. Like either in a good way or a bad way. Swamp thing. Really? And the potential for James Mangold to do it is, is something that I was quite impressed with, especially after the whole debacle that I think it was because they, there were tax breaks that never, that fell through because they didn't file paperwork correctly. They canceled the show on DC Universe, like back when it was an exclusive. Yeah. That was, that, I mean, just to, to revisit so quickly was kind of a surprise. Uh, I think there's a, a Green Lantern series coming with Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart, which also sounds awesome because you've been promising Green Lantern for how long and still haven't seen that. Yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those... Uh... It's just one of those deals where it's like, I, I don't know, Swamp Thing doesn't really get, get me all excited, but it is what it is. So, And that's why I'm excited that they're doing it. Because it's not just, you say you're doing another Batman movie? Okay, you got, you really have to... It, it, there's sort of a, the, the, the whole spectrum is another Batman Superman movie. Everybody expects that. <sighs> not that excited. You go to the middle and it's like Green Lantern. And it's like, okay, that's been teased enough that people are anticipating it. And if it finally happens, that's that's the sweet spot of anticipation. And then you go to the other side with like Swamp Thing hasn't really been a huge brand that DC's used and hasn't really pursued. However, the MCU did start with Iron Man. Yeah. And Iron Man was considered B tier at that point because you already had X-Men and Spider-Man yeah. building up the works. So let's let's not forget how the MCU started. I we, want we embark on this new universe. I if we're gonna do Batman, I want a Batman Beyond movie. Oh yes, oh that, without question. We've we've done Batman to death at this point, right? Pretty much. I mean, but that was the whole rumor of what was happening with Michael Keaton. They thought that he was going to be developing a Batman Beyond movie. Either and that's way, why that... all those like cameo performances were coming out, and I'm still pissed off that Batgirl got shelved and he may be cut out of 
Aquaman and who knows what will happen with the Flash. Yeah, I just uh, there wasn't a ton on this that was super interesting to me. It just seemed like all the right moves. It's it's safe stuff. Yeah. Other than like a Waller oh. show or a Swamp thing or whatever, it seems like this is the stuff we need to do to get this going in the right direction. I don't think there was anything overly surprising, you know? I think that's why they're keeping the Elseworlds alive, and that's why they're yeah. keeping so many other projects alive is because they want to... Ooh. They want to have other things to bank on, but at the same time, they know that they need to do something safe to sort of keep the keep the home team going. Going back real quick to the Michael Keaton Batman Beyond thing, if you weren't going yeah. to use him as it, who would be the next best Bruce Wayne to bring back? Affleck. Really? You age up Affleck, or you even just let him, because he is an older Batman, or maybe just age him up a little bit. But yeah, I would say Affleck, because nobody's going for Clooney. Clooney wouldn't even go for Clooney. And unfortunately, Val Kilmer wouldn't be able to. Yeah. Because of uh, not having his voice. I mean, unless he unless they wanted to use the that really amazing AI technology that they have that reconstructs his voice. Yeah. He like that. I mean, he would have been my choice. Ideally, like Dreamcast, go back to Val Kilmer. You go back to Val Kilmer as an older Batman and let him do his thing because he I really liked him as Bruce Wayne and Batman. I and Batman forever. I I liked him and I liked the I liked the the bat world they created there where it was a little bit of the goofy, but a little bit of, they mixed the dark and the light of Batman pretty well in that movie. I always thought they did. They really did because you have, it it has so many references and colors from the original Batman series, like the Adam West one, but then it still probably gets creepy with the Riddler and follows in, fits in very well with the, the Batman that Tim Burton, that's the man's name. Tim Burton Holy rusted metal, following. Batman. What? It, no, it's, it's, it's rusted metal. Holy rusted Holy. <laughs> that was perfect. And then it, I don't know why it finally clicked with me now, but why, I was watching a clip the other day, or maybe it was a trailer from Batman Forever. And then that scene where it's going up, the, the Batmobile is going up the side of the building. Yeah. That's the old climbing gag. Oh, you're right. It is. That's the old climbing gag. And it's so perfect. That's really funny. Uh, Mike Rash from CinemaBelin.com on the line with me right now. So that kind of covers DC. You can kind of go over uh, the entire list yourself. Other news out there. What was the other stories we were going to do? DC. Uh, I know I want to bring up the Hogwarts thing real quick. Yeah. Uh, Which uh, there's that new game, uh, and I don't know a ton about it. And the only reason I know a little bit about it is because of <laughs> it's. There are a ton of videos on it on TikTok right now, and uh, it's yeah. Hogwarts Legacy going to be released February tenth. Um, it's going to be on uh, PS five, Switch, PS four, Xbox, blah 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 blah, onwards and onwards. And uh, one side of it is is there is definitely people that uh, you know do not like J.K. Rowling and her politics and her thoughts and all that. So they're basically saying, hey, if you like this game, you're transphobic. Is kind of the the short version of that that side of it. Yeah. The I mean, and that's just and listen. <laughs> All I'm saying is that's that's one of the sets of videos on this. I'm not saying you know right, wrong, and different or whatever. It's just that's one of the sets of videos on there. One of the other sets, oh, they're starting to find out a little bit more about the gameplay with this, and this is what's led to a bunch of hilarious videos. There's no morality system in this game, and the oh. 
the uh, the curses, the uh, forbidden cur- or the unforgivable curse. What were they called? The unforgivable curses. They're usable in this game. I thought there would have been like uh, you would you would think there'd be like a morality scale in this game. There, so you could like ma- see if you're going to turn to the dark or the the light side. There is like you can do whatever you want, and people kind of remember you for it and that sort of thing. But there's no there like if you murder someone. Like I, as far as I know, there's nothing that's gonna like shut you down or anything. Like you can use the unforgivable curses and all this. Well, anyways, people are making these videos and it's like my first day on campus and it shows the trolley lady. Anything from the trolley lady? And then they cut to the uh, uh, Lord Voldemort saying, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> And it's just it's a ton of videos like that, and it is hilarious is what it is i'll have to send you a few of them but it it's it's just it it really is and it i will say this it looks cool how they set up the uh the magic system whether or not it'll work well in a game situation i don't know yet but they did say the castle in it is the most faithful recreation of the hogwarts castle just something to think about but yeah i just i have been getting such a kick out of watching people just bring up the murder scene in that (laughs) First day on campus. I'm in. Yeah, I know, right? So, uh, Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com. We'll leave that there. Uh, the other things, um, do you want to do Do we want to do the Star Trek thing quick? Yeah, let's do the Star Trek thing quick. Uh, we, we brought this up last week, uh, and the only reason I kind of bring it up is because it looks like a movie, but um, they uh, released the final trailer for Star Trek Picard Season 3 during the AFC Championship game this weekend. Boy, it is a nerd's wet dream in that thing. Yeah, I need to. I really need to catch up on Picard after <laughs> watching that. Just because I've been, I saw the first episode when they put it out for free. Yeah. And I have been, I've been wanting to check out the show. Yeah. This is going to be its final season. Premieres February sixteenth, if I believe, on Paramount Plus. People are already raving about the first three episodes after watching them in advance, and I want in because this looks like. I mean, it, it obviously looks like Patrick Stewart's Logan throughout these three seasons, and this one with the original crew with the beautiful spaceship and just the wonderful angles that they seem to be teasing in here, like Moriarty returning. And I think that was another data clone that we saw. Uh, that was again, lore. I haven't watched the first two seasons. Oh, that was lore? That's lore. Oh, see, I haven't watched the first two seasons. I know lore popped up. No, 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 no. That's sure the, that was him. That's the thing. They introduced lore in the, like, the first trailer, so we knew we were getting him. That's what Brent Spiner was going to do in this because he doesn't want to play data. Data? Yeah. But uh, oh, I wouldn't want to do that either. It's obviously he wanted to say goodbye to that character. So, anyways, uh, yeah, it looks fantastic. I still wonder if they're going to try and set up a movie. Uh, that's been some of the stuff. But Jonathan Franks actually came out and said something about uh, Star Trek and the world of movies. Uh, was it a week, a week or two ago? Basically, he said Star Trek should be should be. Uh, he goes, the only way to do it right now is a TV show. And he brought up J.J. Uh, Abrams' Star Trek, and he said he can't even, you know, J.J. Abrams can't even get his Star Trek made into a movie right now. So it, it was kind of, he well, also it, he also it, used an F word in there, and I can't remember the, the exact quote, so I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to mess up his usage fair, of the F word. To be fair, it's no longer J.J. Abrams anymore because he stopped directing him after two. Yeah. And that might have been part of why, after Beyond, Paramount was just kind of like, uh, I don't know. Like I, the whole... You you trace that whole story for Star Trek IV's development, and it's 
wild. Yeah, it really is. So, anyways, uh, that's that, and uh, we're going to wrap up, uh, of course, with The Last of Us uh, this past weekend. Uh, just an amazing episode of The Last of Us. I'm leaning towards I really like this show, even though it's zombie related. Yeah, it just, if you didn't have that, the notion that this was going to be a total, this wasn't going to be a total zombie fest. Before this episode, this really nailed it in because, or if you have not watched episode three long, long time yet, folks, you're going to want to turn this off, but I can't imagine that you wouldn't have by this point because of how everyone's been raving about it. It's just, this was a beautiful, this was a movie. This was a beautiful love story that took place during this post-apocalyptic harsh wasteland. It didn't have to be, we're fighting off waves of zombies or, you know, you have one scene of raiders and that's it. But it was just this beautiful queer love story about these two men who find themselves in this new world and slowly become this one of the best couples ever put to screen. And Nick Offerman and Marie Bartlett anchored this whole episode with Bill and Frank. And I, you know, I picked the wrong night to rewatch the opening of Up because then this episode came on and I was crying again. And it's like, great, wonderful. I, and I'm going to bed and I'm like feeling all crap. And my wife is like, are you sick? And I'm like, no, I it's just, you know, obviously all the crying has congested me. So I need to take a cough drop. The, uh, although she was crying too. I only have one small issue with that episode. What would that be? I thought the aging was weird. How so? Uh, because Offerman and Steve, uh, it was Bill and Frank were their names, right? Yes, Offerman was Bill and Marie Barley was Frank, yeah. Which, by the way, when he's, when he's saying that we're going to have Fred's over, what? <laughs> I laughed my ass off at that. We don't have friends. They're coming over or whatever. I forget what he says. What? But uh, the aging. And even that. Yeah. And the. the uh, yeah. It, the 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 first uh, meal scene with them sitting outside and him having the gun on the table was pretty funny. <laughs> but look, if you're a Nick Offerman fan, you, this is basically what you would expect from post-apocalyptic gay Ron Swanson. Yeah, like, it, it really gun in was. hand with a, a glass of wine right next to it. It's like your choice, buddy. The uh, but anyways, I thought they. Because it's it's a 23, 20 or 23 year span, and the way they age, Nick Offerman and uh, or Bill and Frank age a lot more than uh, uh, Pedro Pascal's character, which I can't think of his name right now. Uh, Joel. Joel. Maybe. Anyways, uh, I just thought the the way they age compared to. Uh, other folks in that area because even Tess like they showed their midway and they looked still fairly young in it like they hadn't aged a ton but by the end I mean they were like they're old you know yeah well I think they were older men to begin with at the beginning of the apocalypse well that might also be the that might also be why I just uh, well I mean if you think about it okay so if they were really old like it's 20 years. So even if they were 40 when they started, you know, like, uh, I believe Joel's like supposed to be like 50s in uh, this. I don't know. I just, I thought the aging was weird. That's all. I mean, it Look, is. It, do you it, want people to cry like they did in Up? If so, you need Oldman. Oldman makes cry. Okay. <laughs> That's... Oldman makes cry. <laughs> <laughs> 
Rule of movie number one, old men makes cry. Old men may cry. <laughs> oh, God, that's really... I, and I again, think they, that's... they just really wanted to sell the fact that they were older characters, especially with the decision that had to be made yeah. in that last act. I think that was really like they wanted... Because if, if they looked like the slightest hair younger, people might have had a problem with it. But especially just you have Nick Offerman sitting there, and it, I saw the clip again last night, and it broke me. Where he's just sitting there, and he's like, "I'm old, I'm satisfied." Yeah, like to really sell that as like, okay, we need to age these guys up a little more because they're not going to be, you know, continuous leads of our show. Yeah, that's like I said, that was my only uh, qualm with this episode was it just I thought their aging compared to everybody else's was weird. That's that's it. I'll leave it there. Although I want to bring up something really interesting before okay. we go. Uh, the Linda Ronstadt song that they featured long, long time. Yeah. Between 11 o'clock and midnight on Sunday, which is roughly around after the episode aired, uh, the that song shot up 49,000 percent. And streams on Spotify just I, in that hour alone. I, you know what, that doesn't shock me. I mean, look at uh, uh, that song from Wednesday, the song from uh, uh, Stranger Things early, uh, late last oh, year. Oh yeah, well that was that was the thing that I compared it to uh, when I was writing it up because I, I wrote that for Cinema Blend and like Running Up That Hill became this huge chart topping hit because of using it in Stranger Things. Well, that master and now of puppets. You've got another song. Oh yeah. Like you've got another new generation of people introducing themselves to this this music, and it's also just such a beautiful song to begin with. So it's like you know, if, if this puts good work back out for the masses to to enjoy again, like that's especially exciting. And that was similar to what Metallica said when someone's like, "Oh, what do you feel about all these fake fans after Stranger Things?" They're like, "Dude, people are getting introduced to our music because of this. That's great. Like, welcome." Yeah. So there you have it. We'll get a new episode of uh, The Last of Us this weekend. I watched. I just watched the trailer just on silent in the background, and it looks interesting. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Mike Rash from Cinema. Yeah, Blend. but what? Who knows what'll happen? Just because of the fact that I remember watching the trailer for this episode, and it made it look like more struggle in the apocalypse, drama, 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 and then we got this touching, beautiful episode surprising us out of nowhere. I think I'm that's why that I that like sneaky. this show more than uh, I listen. I know that there's zombies yeah. in this world, but it doesn't feel like at every moment you're going to get eight. It's not you're not getting chased not, at every moment, you know. Yeah, if anything, it looks like the more dangerous. I think if, if I if I've read the last of a story correctly, what people have said. It's not really the infection that's more of a villain. It's Fedra and all of the the remnants of like post-apocalyptic power that are really more of a threat to people in here. It's not always it, well. You can get eaten by a zombie, but on top of that, there's uh, <laughs> get the bleep button ready because I love Nick Offerman's line of Jack Boot, New World Order Jack Boot. <laughs> which um, okay, one more fun thing because I cannot recommend enough that people listen to the podcast that HBO Max has going with each episode. That was something that was written in the stage direction. And then Nick Offerman's like, I'm going to say this line on camera and just did it. And it worked. He's great. He's a, Nick he's, Offerman is a national treasure. He's a really fun interview too. I want to talk to him so much. And I, I can already tell you, this is probably Megan Mullally's favorite episode of, of the last of us. Because if anybody needs to know how that woman fell in love with her husband 
that episode. This, ladies and gentlemen, is your proof. There you go. Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com joins me every week on the show to talk about movies and such. Mike, we'll let you get back to your day. Enjoy 80 for Brady. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm ready. I got the face paint. I've got my jersey. <laughs> I have no clue what to expect. There you go. Perfect. Yay. <laughs>